Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. If you've listened to this show before, you know that my goal is to interview entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders from big companies, small companies, people in all different types of industries, and get their take on what they're doing in their career, what they did to get there, with the intent of inspiring everyone to be able to figure out how to do more if your goal is to have your own business, or even if it's a side business, just to create your own path in the world. And today, we have as our guest a guy who probably has the best name of anyone in entrepreneurship. His name is Evan Money. And that's just when I heard his name, I'm like, I don't even care what he does. I have to have him on the show. But uh, he is really uh, somebody who has really done a lot of different things. He is a bestseller. He has a PhD. He is happily married. One of the things I love is that he and his wife get married every single year in a different state or a different country, celebrating over 23 years of marriage. There you go. And uh, he's all about helping entrepreneurs do more with sort of a faith-based background. And he's achieved a lot. And I know that this episode is going to be one of those ones you're going to want to listen to again and again, because I think he's going to share a lot of stuff with all of us that's going to get us excited about this world of entrepreneurship. So Evan Money, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, Tom. So excited to be here, and I'm definitely honored to be at the cool table because I was never invited before. So I'm uh, excited to be hanging with you, and not only the cool, but the funny, because uh, I look forward to getting into kind of the improv and the comedy side, because I know that's a a piece of yours, and I heard that one podcast, and I was like, oh, I like this guy already. <laughs> yeah, I, I stuck my foot in at 51 years old into trying a, a night at open mic night, and now I've done it six times, so... <laughs> so, Evan, I, you know, I don't really do the long bios. Why don't you tell everybody about who you are and what your business is? Well, for those listening, imagine having the best sex of your married life and tripling your income. No, well, that but sounds now good. That I have your full attention. <laughs> <laughs> the simple truth is listening to Tom's podcast today is going to be the breakthrough that you've really been looking for. And the mission statement for all my companies, Tom, because I'm an ADD visionary. So we've got multiple companies, multiple divisions, but our mission statement is the same for all of them. And that's we bring people's dreams to life. Nice. We bring people's dreams to life. And the other section that I'm really excited about and really dialing into and I've been called to is really speaking faith-based personal growth to entrepreneurs and pre-entrepreneurs, as we like to say. So this episode, not only can I tell, is going to be filled with ideas and things that people need to write down, but also this episode is special because this is episode number 350. And so I'm going to promote the bejeebas out of it because I only planned on ever doing 50 episodes. So as we're getting started, I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, Evan is episode 350. We have to we have to touch on on why that is special. So I wanted to jump in and add that in because in addition to all the stuff you're going to share, this is a milestone uh, milestone show for us. So Evan, how did you get into entrepreneurship? Where did you start off? I mean, you 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 have a PhD, and when I think of people who have PhDs, I often don't think, wow, 
entrepreneur. <laughs> no, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I'll share. So like many of you listening, I was an accidental entrepreneur. So I scraped my way through high school and through 12 years of incarceration in the Los Angeles County public school system. Probably similar to you, Tom. So the second I got out of high school, I was like, I'm done with this, uh, and went into uh, surfing for a living, but not getting paid to surf, just kind of surf bum. But like many of you listening, I, be, I was an accidental entrepreneur. And so my old boss and I really did not see eye to eye. So this was... <laughs> this is a common story. Uh, 20, yeah, 25-ish years ago. Uh, which is amazing to me because it's gone by in a blink of an eye. But my buddy and I were like the top producers at this company. And we had a lot of fun doing it, Tom. And this is way before Zappos and Tony Shea, which we're going to get into later, you know, created this, you know, fun at the workplace kind of model. And so he just saw us as a nuisance. He saw us as a distraction. And we're like, look, we're having a blast here, and we're your top producers. What's the problem? And he was the old mindset, like, work is not fun. Get back to the grind. You know, be quiet. Make me money kind of thing. And so my partner, my buddy and I were just like, dude, how hard can this really be? So we ended up starting our own company with no money, no business plan, no nothing. Just like, hey, you know, how hard can it be? And we had <laughs> the benefit of being young and ignorant and having no money is you got nothing to lose. So I was like, well, I got nothing to lose. I got no money anyway. So let's, you know, just dive in and make it happen. And so on the PhD side, those are the benefits. And I'll, I'll share this with your audience, Tom. This is a special one. So the A students come back and teach. Uh, the B and C students work for the C and D students, and the F students commemorate the building. <laughs> that's, that's what I've learned to be true. So lo and behold, about four or five, no, it's maybe three years ago, I've got the best kind of PhD you can possibly get. I got a honorary degree, and it was so cool to get it. And at first, I was kind of like, wow, my bride's like, well, think about it. Look at all these books you've written. I mean, that's a, you know, that's your dissertation. That's your whole thing. I was like, yeah, you're right. So I am as proud and excited to be. I got my nice, big, fancy degree with the gold frame on the wall, and it's the, the full deal. Um, but I was like, yeah, that's the way to do it. You want to collect the honorary degrees nice. and go from there. So that, nice. that's how it works with entrepreneurship. So you guys started this business. So tell us about what was that business, and, and where did you go from there? Uh, I mean, that story's uh, filled with blood and guts and, <laughs> and all kinds of of challenges. So my partner left six months into it, which is a tip for partnerships. Um, and it was just like, wow. But it was, it was very interesting because I remember, I'll share this one story. So uh, we, again, we had no money, we had no business plan. We left the, the current industry and we had some other competitors to say, hey, we want to get into that market. And we convinced them to sign the lease for us and front us with a little bit of inventory. So we didn't get any capital per se, but they gave us some inventory and some uh, workable terms. And so we were like, all right, we're just going to hit the ground running. Here we go. Uh, and so what was so funny was no less than a month later after we opened Tom, our old boss sued us for a million dollars. 
<laughs> now, I know a million dollars buys you lunch in Los Angeles, so it's not a lot of money. But 25 years ago, that was a lot of money. That's still a lot of money. <laughs> summon, oh, well, I mean, money's relative, but we got a... Um, we got a, a some you know like the official like the dude dropping off the papers and we're just like we opened it up and it was like the first official lawsuit we've ever seen and my partner and I Tom belly laughed we belly laughed it was so hilarious to us because we're like what are you gonna do come repossess my you know Isuzu Trooper with two hundred fifty thousand miles on it and a broken <laughs> transmission <laughs> it was like we had nothing so it was this laugh we we actually got energy and joy from it rather than like, oh no, this, you know, this pressure lawsuit. We just thought it was the funniest thing in the whole world. And this is how amazing uh, God is. We, unbeknownst to us, the slip and fall insurance that we were forced to get for the building we were in, somehow, some way, the way they filed the lawsuit came under the slip and fall insurance. <laughs> so we had this yeah, we had this ringer attorney, like, pull up in the limousine, you know, the three-piece suit, and he pulls up to our little warehouse, and he walks in, he's like, hey, guys, what's up? He's sitting on our broken-down couch, and he's, like, listening to this story. It was so hilarious. So after about 30 minutes, he just laughed and goes, y you guys are good. <laughs> you know, got back in his limo and drove off. And that was the last we ever heard from it. So it was uh, uh, an interesting start, to say the least. So how many businesses have you started or been involved with since that first one? Wow. So some people, you hear the serial entrepreneur and all this stuff. We, we're like uh, the, the face on a clock. So I started my first company in 97, the same year I got married. Not recommended. And <laughs> <laughs> we, we just started diversifying. And I realized through my ADD-ness, I was like, you know what? I like so many different things. How can we design it so it, we can all fit it under one umbrella? So I have one corporation, and then we have all these different offshoots and different things. So we just kind of add it into the fold. So some things are related. Some things aren't. We just have different divisions all under one corporation. And I'm able to create it in a way, we'll get into this later from solopreneurship, of a way where I create the business around my lifestyle. So the first thing is, how do I want to live? So I want to live where I don't have to commute. I don't have to dress up. I can wear whatever I want to wear. I live in the most beautiful part of Los Angeles ever. We've got trees. We have one stoplight, I think, in the town. We're in L.A. We're on a cliff. We're over the water. I mean, it's very majestic. Lots of nature. And it's like, why would I want to leave here? So I don't commute. I homeschool my children. I'm able to romance my bride all day, every day. So I'm telling you, great sex is the key to keep things flowing smoothly. So I can go <laughs> romance my bride at 11 o'clock in the afternoon if I want to. And uh, that was kind of the lifestyle I wanted. So I said, how can I create these businesses to run, to, to work around my lifestyle? And so we just add different divisions and have partners and subcontractors. And so we can create it that way rather than having the business run me, if that makes sense. Well, it sounds like you've taken this whole sort of entrepreneurial spirit and infused it into everything that you do. Or maybe it's you've taken the surfer lifestyle and infused it into everything you do. But, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you said you have a couple kids and you homeschool them on top of everything else. What's that like? Ooh, well, that stems from really the bottom line of taking full responsibility. 
And so as an entrepreneur, as a successful entrepreneur, I mean, we've all heard the stats, and I think many of your listeners are pre-entrepreneurs wanting to get into it. And you hear these, oh, 85% of businesses fail you know, in the first three years. And it, you're right, because most entrepreneurs don't have a mindset of taking full responsibility. So that same responsibility mindset goes into homeschooling my children. And so rather than being someone who says, oh my gosh, where did my parent, where did my kids pick up these bad habits from? Or I can't believe what these teachers are teaching in schools these days. <laughs> I'm like, that's my responsibility to educate my children. So the challenge with that, because it's a two-edged sword, right, Tom? The challenge with that is I look at my kids and I go, man, where'd they pick up that bad habit? Well, where, where did they learn that from? And I have to look in the mirror and go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we uh, taught them that. They got that one from me. <laughs> okay, I need to grow in that area. How old are the kids now? So we are now 14 and 11. Oh, so they still haven't turned on you yet. Oh, well, the part of the, part of the deal to ensure that is, so for example, uh, again, I never got to sit at the cool table, but I am definitely part of, I, I used to be the president of the junkie car club, but I'm now part of the cool car club. So I have a Batmobile, I have a Speed Racer Mach 5. So my son and I were driving my Speed Racer Mach 5, which you can see on my website. I'm teaching him how to drive at 14. Uh, and it's a little early, but I want to kind of trickle into it, but also keep him attached. And it's like, hey, I want to spend time with my dad. Hey, my dad's got cooler cars than any of my friends have. Um, and this whole connection of, hey, doing stuff with my kids and making it so they want to spend time with me versus, you know, this turning of, oh, yeah, I want to listen to my music and my friends and da-da-da-da-da. So we want to make it so it's, hey, my dad's the coolest dude in town. Why wouldn't I want to spend time with him? Well, I always make that joke that, you know, when the kids are like 13, when people have kids that are 11 or 14, I always say, oh, so they haven't turned on you yet. And my kids actually get mad at me. My kids are 16 and 21, and they're like, dad – when did we ever turn on you guys? Because we have we have really good kids who you know they. My 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 daughter is at at a really prestigious college. My other daughter is a straight A student, one of the top kids in her class in high school. And they're like, when did we ever turn on you? I go, I don't know, but it's a funny line. <laughs> it works in the clubs. It works that, in improv. That, that's right. Well, and and I uh, we we did a thing, and in fact, I'm this is kind of on my mind. By the time this airs, I'll be back, but I'm about to leave in a couple of days as we're recording this. Is we do a thing when the kids turn thirteen. They get to plan a three-day trip anywhere in the continental United States with their mom. And when they turn 16, mm. they get to plan it with me. And so the oh, old oh. – Yeah, it's pretty cool. And they get to pick it out and they have to decide what activities they're going to do. The, the the one who's 21 now went to Philadelphia and Hershey, Pennsylvania because at 13, what would be cooler than a whole town of chocolate um, <laughs> with, her, with her mom? And then she and I went to Boston and kind of she was really focused at 16 on her college choices. And so we toured mm -hmm. Harvard and MIT and Boston College and some other – and Amherst while we were up there. But then we also did all the historical stuff. And then the 16-year-old the, the now, when she was 13, she wanted to go to Seattle. So she and her mom went to Seattle because when you're 13, going to the original Starbucks sounds like a really cool like thing to go, go do. <laughs> yeah. Plus they went whale watching. She's kind of into nature. But she threw a curveball on me. She turned 16 and announced we're going to Yosemite and I'm like no no San Francisco you know uh Chicago and she said no no she goes I'm I'm a nature girl so she and I are spending uh, four days in Yosemite this week oh 
cool. But, but doom, here you go. That's right. But I, I tell that story because it, it sort of doubles on what you said. It's about finding things the kids want so they want to spend time with you. I mean, my 21-year-old loved both of those. We did a lot of trips as a family, but she loved both of those trips she got to do individually with her mom and then with me. And same thing with the younger one. So I think that's I think it's good when you can spend that kind of time with the kids. Well, absolutely. And, and all dovetail, dovetails into what really is at the core of this podcast, as far as the entrepreneur lifestyle, is in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to be intentional. And in order to be a successful parent, and I haven't, you know, you know, I think parenting's forever, but so far we've really focused on that intentionality of saying, hey, we want to be intentional at decisions, intentional in our choices, and not just, oh, you know, hoping you know, these connections will happen. It's how do we be intentional about that? And I see so many people, they're intentional maybe in one area, like in business, you know, oh, I got to focus on them and be intentional. And it's like they just let their family and their relationships and their health just like, you know, willy-nilly. And it's like, no, 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 you have to be intentional about everything. So what have you done to, to be intentional about health? Because that's something that comes up on the show all the time. And, you know, it's near and dear to my heart because at 50, I, I went and lost 30 pounds and started running and changed my eating styles. And, you know, so what do you do? Wow, great, great question. So as far as health, I'm still shocked. We did a one of our um, Grow Thrive Revive seminars where you talk about whale watching. We actually went swimming with the whales and the dolphins. I, I'm going I'm going day. to the next one. I've already talked to Dave. I'm I'm gonna be the first one signed oh, up. Oh nice. Okay, so you're already in. Yes, 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 yes. So we're we're out in the kayaks paddling and the whales are out there spouting off and it's just like, yeah, cool. Um, but as far as health and intentionality, one of the, the people at our seminar was, uh, you know, the, you know, you get all different types, and I don't want to throw anybody in the bus, but he, he shows up, he came in late because we have the gourmet breakfast and all that as part of the deal. He showed up a little late, and for breakfast, he's having a Red Bull. And, <laughs> and he talked about, but, and, and this is kind of cool, because we're really, this, is, it, it, this isn't like a thousand people. We're like 20, 25 people in a room, so we can really get intimate and dial in, because this is for people that really want to grow, like yourself. And so I called him forward, and I challenged him, because he's talking about his goals, and yeah, I want to be healthy and do this. I go, you're saying your goals, you want to be healthy, and you're, you're drinking this Red Bull. And he's like, well, what, what's the problem? And I'm like, <laughs> you have... Excuse me. Read the label. You don't know that that has yeah that has carcinogens and cancer causing elements in it. And you're drinking it for breakfast. He goes, I didn't know, <laughs> and I was shocked. I'm just like the sugar the sugar content alone in those will choke a horse. I yeah, think. yeah. And so I think so many entrepreneurs are just ignorant on health is the real wealth when it all comes down to it. I mean, you you know this you know this line, Tom. We can all you know recite it uh, by by. Uh, we recited together. So, uh, entrepreneurs, well, entrepreneurs specifically, entrepreneurs are, are such an, uh, an interesting species because we'll spend all our health and sacrifice relationships to make money and start the business and build the business. And then once the business is built and created, we'll take all that money and sacrifice all that money to try to get our health and relationships back. <laughs> and so that is, you know. Apple, the founder of Apple, Steve Jobs, 101. And it didn't matter how many billions he had. It didn't matter how many cool products he invented. He couldn't get his relationships and he couldn't get his health back. Mm -hmm. And so health is the real wealth. And the challenge we have is God created our bodies in such a way where we can abuse them for so long that we get away with it. And so you see these people that have heart attacks, right? And then it's like, oh, the heart attack is what, you know, 
finally turned it around. And most people that have a heart attack, it's like 80% tell them, 80% don't change their lifestyle and they end up dying from a second heart attack. Hmm. And it all comes down to, hey, what are you putting in your body on a consistent basis? So what do you do? What's What's your focus? Yeah, so it's intentional about saying, hey, what am I putting in my body on a daily basis? What's going in every day? And so it's all about, you know, this may, have made, this may have made its way to Austin, Texas, or wherever your millions of podcasts or listeners are, but it's as easy as an apple a day keeps the cancer away. <laughs> so I, I wrote a best-selling cancer prevention book called The One Day Diet, with the premise being there's no such thing as a two-week diet, a six-week diet, a three-week cleanse, because you can only do... You can only put food in your body for right now, for today. You can only live today. So it's about what food choice am I going to make today? So today, instead of the triple ripple frappuccino, super duper, whatever, or the toxic donut, just for today, let me just eat an apple. And if you compound that, you know, the, what is it? The uh, Einstein called it the, um, you know, the, the greatest invention of, of all time, you know, compounding interest. So if you compound an apple a day for a year, that's 365 apples versus 365 donuts or lattes. Mm. And so I just encourage this guy who came to our seminar, you know, imagine what would happen, or if you really want to get to that goal, replace the Red Bull with the apple. And it's really as simple as that. And mm. so in our house, what we focused on is, hey, what am I putting in my body every day? One time my bride put up a post, Tom, of our fruit table. And our fruit table, we eat a day of fruit, what most people eat in a month. And people are just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. And it's like, well, instead of snacking on toxic chips or all this other stuff, we just eat fruit. Mm -hmm. And it tastes better, and it's better for you. And the best secret, okay, we're talking billion-dollar secret right here, if it's not in your house, you can't eat it. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's that's a good point. I will go to this yeah, to this day, Tom, I will go and I will open the refrigerator and I will just stand there and look, like hoping something else will appear. <laughs> like, where is the and ice cream? Like, the ice cream has not just, yeah, we didn't buy exactly. it at the store. It's not here. Yes, it, it's not. And my bride's like, what are you looking for? I was like, I was just hoping something else would appear. But since it's not there, I'll just go grab a piece of fruit. <laughs> and so, because it's, you know, if it's not there, you can't eat it. So that, that's a tip for the health health practice. So you guys get married again every year in a different state or a different country. Tell us how that came about. Ooh, well, I cannot understand, Tom. This goes down to mindset and intentionality. I cannot understand why any red-blooded American man would only want to have one honeymoon. I'm like, do you not like sex? I, I can't understand. I go, I can't be the only one who really enjoys sex. I'm like, and what's mind-blowing sex consistently? I'm like, I can't be the only one. So I don't understand why people would just settle for once. I was like, okay, how could we repeat this honeymoon cycle? You know, how can we get this going? And so there's a whole long story that uh, um, I don't think uh, your audience ever would have the time to get into. But the bottom line is my bride and I agreed when we had no money. Remember, I started a business with no money when we first got married. And, and now we're, we're deciding that, oh, yeah, we want to get remarried in a different state or country every year. And it was like, how's that going to work? So to your point, Tom, I'm like, okay, we made a decision. Now how are we going to make this work? So living in Los Angeles, my first thought was, okay, 
Tijuana, Mexico. <laughs> That's okay. right. You got Nevada, Arizona. The first few years are like three <laughs> yeah, hours like, away. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I'm like, okay, Tijuana, Mexico, it's a couple hours drive. And Tijuana is, is you know, the wedding destination capital of the world, right? <laughs> um, it was, yeah, Tijuana is known for doing things at lower budget. So I went to San, so Di- I went to San Diego State University, and in the 80s, I knew my way around Tijuana pretty well. <laughs> okay, so you, so you get it. You get it. But there's a lot of people are just like, I don't understand. So Tijuana is like on the low end. That's like where you go. And so, again, I, I don't want to in- insult the people from there. But so my mindset was, okay, I can do a Tijuana wedding on the cheap. We can pull this off, and maybe next year. I could save up enough gas money to get to Arizona. That was my mindset. And what I love about how God works, you know, man plans and God laughs. But true to form, God was like, you know what? I've got something better for you in mind. So we made the decision. I'm trying to plan this Tijuana wedding. But as it turned out, my bride and I won, Tom, an all-expense-paid trip to Paris, France for two weeks. And so on our exact anniversary, one year later... We got remarried at the Palace of Versailles. Nice. And so I'm thinking Tijuana, and God's like, no, no, Versailles. I got something better here. You go get married at the Palace of Versailles. And it was like, oh, this is so awesome. And so after that, I was like, all right, anything's possible. <laughs> if we can go from Tijuana to Paris and the Palace of Versailles. And so that was the beginning. And so we just got really creative and real intentional. But the... The simple truth is I wanted great sex more often, and I didn't want to settle for just one honeymoon. So that's how that came about. Well, I still think you should fit Tijuana in there sometime. I think you got to save that one for like the 50th or something like that. So you, you talked about that, you know, man plans and God laughs. So one of the things that you lead with is that you're a faith-based entrepreneur. So let's talk a little bit about that. We don't get into that very much on this show, but faith is a big part of your life and your business and your family. Uh, in a world where we've gone more and more secular, how, how does that fit into your business? Yeah, and, and the key for me, my real niche is kind of the faith-based personal growth. And so that was modeled to me by the legends that have died off, literally, and no one has like really risen up to fill that. So the Zig Ziglers, the Jim Rohns, you know, these were guys that brought in the wisdom of the faith elements, you know, timeless wisdom. Because if you really look at anybody's content, if you really kind of go back, and, and great speakers, you know, everybody borrows from everybody else, right? But it all comes back to Proverbs. I mean, even if you're not interested whatsoever in faith, you can crack open the book of Proverbs and you will get insights, you will get enlightenment, you'll get everything you're looking for. And it just happens to be written by the world's wealthiest man. And so you get everything from relationships to money management. It's all there. And it was like, man, it all comes back here. And so I want to be clear. I'm not into preaching and I'm not into religion. I I want nothing to do with that. But I loved, again, how Zig and Jim just tied in these, these, this ultimate wisdom. And I was like, man, we need to get back to that. And again, not in a preachy way. And And the guy that's kind of touched on it, but coming from the other side, so one side of the coin, you've got a Joel Osteen. And what I love about Joel is, man, you look at people in the secular world, they're like, man, I don't want anything to do with God. You know, I don't want anything to do with secular stuff. But you know what, that Joel Osteen, I like that guy. You know, he's got some good stuff. <laughs> and so Joel leads from the, 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 the church side, pastor side, and then speaks into personal growth. So I want to come the other way to say, hey, entrepreneurs, the only person that understands an entrepreneur is one. 
because if you're not an entrepreneur, you just don't get it. It's, it's a mindset. It's a lifestyle. So if you're not an entrepreneur, you can't really connect. And so I wanted to be these guys. I never wanted to be the guy that was not walking the walk or not doing what they're teaching. So I'm like, hey, the best quarterback coach is someone who's actually played the position, mm-hmm. you know, and understands. So I'm like, hey, as an entrepreneur, as an ADD visionary, let me speak into other entrepreneurs and say, hey, if you're using faith-based personal growth, these tools can get you everything in life that you want, and it doesn't require church membership. It doesn't require any of this religious nonsense. It's just using these tools and this timeless wisdom that will guarantee you success, and it works 100%, Tom. <laughs> so, so you, I mean, having you on the show, I'm just smiling because you just have this infectious personality. You have this infectious sort of like you want to be around this guy kind of thing. So if someone's listening to the show and they're going, yeah, hey, what Evan said, what advice do you have for people who, whether they're 23 or 24 like you were, or if they're, you know, 52 and they're thinking, I want to jump into this world, what advice do you have for someone who wants to become an entrepreneur? What, what things should they be doing? Wow. Okay. Well, I definitely appreciate the compliment, and I, I know it's not my hair, that's for sure, that you want to be around me, and you'll get a laugh when you look at the website. Um, but for someone who's wanting to jump in, to see, say, I, yeah, I haven't. I wait, I got to back up. I haven't seen your picture, and okay. you said you were a surfer. I'm picturing you with like long, flowing blonde locks. <laughs> Apparently, that's not oh, it. I dream of that. <laughs> I dream of that. Yes. So my moment of clarity came. I always had. I did have the long surfer hair way back, and then I really just enjoyed kind of the short, flat tops, kind of short, short hair, and my. My moment of realization, this is ADD segue, and you guys can all travel it with me. My moment of realization came in like my, I was like 31, 30, 31, and I'm in like 7-Eleven grabbing some water or something. Uh, I forgot what we were doing. And if you go in those convenience stores, you notice they got those mirrors like up in the top corners of the store. (laughs) And, you know, so they could spy and see if you're stealing stuff. But the way the mirror situated with the window and grabbing the water, I could see the top back of my head perfectly. <laughs> and I saw this perfect bald spot. And I was like, oh, oh no. And that was the first time I could actually see it. Because straight on the mirror, you can't see it. And I was like, all right, that's it. And I shaved my head that day and have not gone back. Nice, so nice. That is, my, that is my flowing blonde lock story there. There, there, there you go. <laughs> so, you. So, so back to the advice. <laughs> First advice is shave your yeah. head. The second advice. Yeah, the second advice, I got two pieces, two pieces that you could take to the bank right now and deposit and will bring you billions of dollars of actual money and success and as well for health and relationships. So first thing that's going to instantly help you is in your entrepreneur journey, number one, is if you count your hours, you're not an entrepreneur. And there are so many in the job mindset that are like, well, I'm working 40 hours, I'm working 50, I'm working 90. If, you, if you're counting your hours, you're not an entrepreneur. The, the hours in this time is irrelevant. It's, we're producing a result, and it either happens or it doesn't. But it's, oh, I'm you know, putting these hours in. Don't count your hours. If you count your hours, you're not an entrepreneur. You need to flush that. Second thing is the reason so many businesses fail is because of the mindset. And we touched on that, kind of this intentionality. So for all entrepreneurs and pre-entrepreneurs, you have to throw away your blame list, the blame list. And for most people, it's the economy, 
the weather, the president, okay? These are the, the big things to blame. But the reality is, the simple truth is, this is all you have to work with. So to be successful, you have to take full responsibility like we touched on. And here's a simple responsibility test for your listeners, Tom. Are you ready? I'm ready. Drum roll, please. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, this is the responsibility test. If you have ever found yourself saying, things cost too much, okay, this is your test and responsibility. If you raise your hand and go, yeah, man, things do cost too much. Well, the simple truth is, no, they don't. You just can't afford them. (laughs) And so this mindset is such a little thing, but it's everything. Because if you're of the mindset that things cost too much, you are irresponsible and you're letting the thing become the problem. So you're saying, well, it's because that thing is the problem, because it costs too much. No, the reality is your mindset is the problem because you can't afford it. For example, a new Rolls Royce, at least the one that I want, is about 500 grand sticker retail. So you could say, yeah, that $500,000 Rolls Royce costs too much. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because that $500,000 Rolls Royce, sales have doubled, almost doubled for Rolls Royces since 2010. Hmm. So thousands of people are buying them in this exact same economy, the exact same weather, and with the same president as you. So it's not the Rolls Royce, it's you. It's not the economy, it's you. It's not the weather, it's you. It's not the president, it's you. In order for things to get better, you have to get better. In order for things to change, you have to change. In order for things to grow, you have to grow. So once you take full responsibility and go, it's on me, and this is all I have to work with, how can I be one of the guys that's buying these Rolls Royces if that's what you want? Or how can I be the guy funding these amazing nonprofits and giving billions of dollars away if that's what you want to do? So rather than getting, you got to throw the blame list away. You know, other people are going to find it and use it, but you need to throw it away and take full responsibility. And that is when you will find true success as an entrepreneur. So I find a lot of people get stuck on sort of the the opposite side of a gap between the potential that they have, whether it's their entrepreneurship, raising their kids, their relationship, whatever, and the actual results they're getting. So we, we in our society, we look at people and we go, wow, he's got so much potential, but but so what? So is is this the way to get across that gap is to just take ownership across the board and realize that you have to change? Yes, and – so yes, and, and you talk about potential for our sports guys out there. I mean, the NFL draft's coming up, and it's all about, oh, this guy's got the big arm, and this guy's got this, and this guy's got this. And at best, all the experts will actually admit, at best, it's 50-50. You might as well just flip a coin through a dart and be like, yeah, that's our guy. Uh, so yeah, there's, again, you go to sports, you go to singing, American Idol, my bride and I are American Idol fans. Hey, everybody can sing. That's lots of potential, but how come very few become stars? So Yes, it's taking responsibility and the what comes out of taking responsibility because there's only one thing, Tom, and everyone listening, there's only one thing that go that prevents potential to result. There's only one thing that, that gets in the way. And the one thing is taking action. Period. Take action and the world is yours. Ideas and potential is useless without the will to act. And Tom, you'll love this. This is from Keith Johnstone. He's the improv theater founder. And he has this quote. I know you love this, Tom. You can use this. Write it down. He says, in life, 
Most of us are highly skilled at suppressing action. I was like, oh, that is so true. So the only way to overcome this is by A, taking responsibility, and B, is creating an action trigger, which is something that instantly spurs you into action to create the life of your dream. So it all comes down to taking action, which is a byproduct of taking responsibility. Well, I was, I, I mentor a young guy who, I mean, he's kind of like my extra kid now he's in his twenties, but he's like mm. my, he's like my son. And we were having a conversation he wants to start a podcast as sort of part of, of his brand and the stuff he's trying to accomplish in his life. And he was telling me how three, four months from now he could start the podcast. And I, my thought was no, start the podcast now. Cause you're going to have to do a ton of crappy episodes before you're going to suddenly find your voice and get better at it. So why wait three or six months to start Start now. Find your voice as you do. And, you know, I've been trying to tell him it's it's about taking the action. So I'm going to make him listen to this actual podcast because uh, he'll, he'll know who I'm talking about at this point. And if he, if he wants to start it, he damn well had better start it today. Today's the day. That's right. Hey, Evan, I've got a couple more questions for you. I can't let you go right yet. This is a little bit longer than usual episode, but I don't care because it's full of a, of a lot of information. But but I have to thank the sponsor of this episode because without the sponsor, we would have no show. So I want to thank Podfly Production because this episode is brought to you by Podfly. They take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool and smart people like Evan Money. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Evan, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing in business right now? Mm, in business. Well, I'm going to circle back because I know we went long, so I'm going to keep it short, but circle back and remind. So it, uh, uh, I'll tell it to you this way. So we, I had a, a meeting with a pretty prominent, successful business guy. I mean, someone I looked up to as far as business stuff. I mean, just incredible. And we had this you know, intimate dinner, and he asked me, you know, Evan, what, what's the best investment you ever made? So people were, you know, there was a couple of us at the dinner table and people were sharing things. And I, I kind of surprised him when I said this. I said, you know what? The best investment I've ever made is in my marriage. And he was like, oh, wow. And it all comes down, Tom, to the home court advantage. I mean, that's, you know, especially with the NBA playoffs going on right now. I'll talk about home court, right? We all want the home court advantage. If my business, and I'll use a toxic term, crushing it, you know, that's another one. What, I don't want to crush anything. I want to bring things to life, okay? So if I'm bringing things to life, business is booming and things are exciting, the last thing I want to do to, is to come home to a dreadful house situation. I want to come home and have mind-blowing sex with my bride. I want to come home and hug my kids and have great adventures and have great times. So it's all about the home court advantage. So the coolest thing, the most exciting thing I'm doing in business is building my home court advantage. And it comes back to, hey, having a honeymoon and a wedding every year. So I'm in one of two states, Tom. I'm either planning a super cool, exciting, fun, adventurous wedding, or I'm on a post-honeymoon bliss. And when I'm in either of those two states, business just flows. 
things are exciting. Things are happening. People are just like, yeah, you know, you're, you know, you're, you have this energy and you're positive and I know it's not all about your hair. And I'm like, exactly. It's like, cause I've got the home court advantage. So I've just encouraged free entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs dial into your home court advantage. You know, the grass is greener where you water it. So what would happen if you started watering your own grass? Imagine, imagine what could be cultivated by watering your own grass. That's, that's actually phenomenally great advice. That's, that's awesome. So I love to ask everyone who comes on the show who it is as an entrepreneur they admire, who they think that person's doing cool stuff. Because I think entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. I think you get to sit at some of those tables and look at these other people and you think, yep, I admire what they're doing. So who do you think is doing cool things? No, I appreciate that question, Tom. And the first thing that comes up, and I, I used to think I was the only one in a lot of things, so I know a lot of your listeners will resonate. One of the, the tension points with that is to fall into comparitis, and that's a rampant disease all across the country. And social media exasperates that in so many different ways. <laughs> well, we were talking about that. Of jealousy. We were talking about that on another episode. That social media, an episode that's coming out. I, I, I recorded it for. It's a little farther ahead, but it's coming out soon. We talked about the fact that social media is just like getting the Christmas letter. Everybody only puts the good stuff. Nobody ever, you know, oh, they, yeah. they say, "Hey, my son Billy got free lodging for a year." They never say that means he's in prison. That's true. That is true. And so you get this kind of comparitis that can flare up and you're just like, and here, here's, here's what happens. So we all compare everybody's sizzle reel, everybody's commercial, everybody's like amazing to our failures. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is about humans, but that's what we do. We look at the worst stuff we've ever done and we compare it to everybody's sizzle reel commercial. And of course we feel like, oh, I'm a loser. I'm a fail. Oh my gosh. Blah. So I just want to speak into that comparitis side of it is that, hey, these other entrepreneurs are just like you. And so, it, you know, looking at the sizzle reel, of course, everything looks great, but that's all you get to see. But they've got life going on at the same time. And then when you see the bottom fall out, you see the stuff they're going through, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, maybe they don't have it made. So with that, I'll tell you a guy that I never actually really got comparitis to, so it was, it was really cool. But I just admired him so much because it was his mindset, and that was the whole reason I got into entrepreneurship in the first place, and I, I, I shared a little bit in the beginning, and that's Tony Shea of Zappos. And what's so funny is Tony is like the polar opposite of me. I remember there was like this, there was, it wasn't a podcast, but it was like some kind of internet thing where you could listen to this cool interview, live interview with Tony Shea, and the first time I heard him speak, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> this guy's so, you've heard him, he's like, so quiet. Yeah, much more understated than much more understated than you, Evan. Oh, yeah, and it's like, really? <laughs> this guy is leading this. Um, he's changing the world, and he, yeah, hi, talk like that. I was like, wow. But what I love about Tony, two things was a, he was the first guy to prove to Wall Street that you could be more productive and make massive revenues with your employees having fun. And it was like, oh, my gosh. And so he proved it with quarterly returns. He proved it big money. And, you know, Amazon came and bought him up for a billion dollars. And Amazon was super smart. You know, they were like, hey, I'm going to buy you up. But keep doing what you're doing. I'm not going to touch you. And and Jeff Bezos just left him alone. Hey, just keep doing what you're doing. I love the fact that he brought to the light, hey, and it goes back to this old, I can't remember the football coach who said it. I love to quote him. But he said the most dangerous player on the football field 
is the guy having fun. <laughs> and it's the same in business. You know, when employees are having fun, things are happening. And, you know, the, pro- the production is coming. And that's the whole reason I got entrepreneurship because my, again, my old boss didn't believe in it. So the, the birthplace is for that, Tony. But the second thing is so cool about Tony because not only is he this mastermind, but he's got this whole downtown thing that he built. And they architecturally, love this, uh, Tom, they architecturally built. So he built this whole like giant, he repurposed this whole downtown building area to like work, live, connect. And they purposely architecturally structured the doorways and the, the walkways and the, the, the foot traffic to specifically force people to bump into each other and to connect on a human level. Because it was like, okay, we can put five entrances into this. No, no, we want to put one. So that way everybody's going to file in and there's, you know, they're going to bump into each other and we can actually enforce human connections. And I was like, that is the coolest thing. And also force cross-pollination. So the guys in this company are going to bump into this other company and get new ideas and all this. And so that's some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen is from Tony Shea at Zappos. Oh, I think that's awesome. No, he's, he's, he's good. I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to meet him once at South by Southwest for about 10 minutes oh. and and he wouldn't remember who I was, but I definitely will always remember that opportunity to chat with him for a few minutes. Hey, the last question I the last question I ask everybody is: I think entrepreneurs do more than just make money. I think that many of them want to find a way to to, to leave a mark. So I love to ask people: What do you do to give back to the greater good? Mm, uh, I'll keep it short, but that's a loaded question because when you say give back, that term is a dangerous mindset because it implies that you stole something. Interesting. It implies that you took something that didn't belong to you. So you're, you're instantly put in this shame and guilt narrative. Like, oh, well, you gave, you know, are you going to give back the stuff that you took? Like you're getting more than somebody else so you have to give back. And so that shame and guilt narrative around giving is so toxic. So in order to make money as an entrepreneur, Tom, and, and you know this, we have to solve a problem or help someone benefit with a product or service. And that's as noble as you can get, and that's something to be proud of. So you don't need to fall into the the give back thing because we didn't steal anything. Like, (laughs) hey, we solved the problem. We created a product or service that's benefiting people. And so with that said, Tom, generous giving is the secret to happiness, lifelong joy, and actually incredible sex. So it's the generous giving because you will never see, Tom, I guarantee this, you will never see an unhappy, generous person. Oh, I, I fully never. agree with that. I, without question. Yeah, you'll never see an unhappy, generous person. The only, only Scrooges are unhappy <laughs> and only unhappy people are the ones giving out of guilt because guilt robs the joy of generous giving. Right. Well, so I, cer- I certainly everyone- don't. I certainly don't go at that question from anywhere from from guilt or from that because I go from the question. Oh no, some no, no, of- but it, but it, yeah, it's just everybody says it so much they don't think about it. So it's like this undertone. It's like this subconscious. Sure. No, I. I totally get where yeah. you're coming from, but I but I also love your comment that you know solving a problem as an entrepreneur or creating a product that helps people unto itself is extremely noble. I think that unto itself is 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 the key thing that we have to remember. That's that's awesome. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So for those listening to this podcast, yeah, I don't, I'm not throwing Tom under the bus. I'm just saying we, we say that <laughs> I, term. I don't. So I don't feel like I'm under. Well, we don't. We don't think where it comes from. <laughs> I don't feel so under the bus. So for it's those okay. listening, I'll I'll encourage you guys to discover and gals 
these two world-changing causes, and one I'm on the board of, and one I'm just a big supporter, but just quickly, one is called The Mentor, and their mission statement is, it's better to empower young boys than to heal broken men. And so the key is to get people early and to get them, get the mentorship in early. So he does a whole mentoring program around junior high boys. And I think as men, junior high is kind of where it all comes off the rails. <laughs> For sure. So it's really exciting to see someone speaking into junior high men, and that's called the Mentor. So M-E-N-T-O-U-R, the M-E-N-T-O-U-R.com. And then the second one I'm a big part of is called World Impact. And they basically turn prisoners into pastors. And so what they do is they go into prison. These guys got plenty of time on their hands. And they're able to say, hey, we'll make you a fully accredited pastor. So when you get out, you can go get a job at a church or you can start your own church in your community. And now you've got purpose. Now you've got something behind you. And the renum renumeration rate, that's a PhD word, you know, the people that go to prison and come back, yeah. um, the average rate is 85%. And the people in this program, it's like 2%. See, I think, that's, I think both of those, both of those causes, if, if done in mass, could solve so many of the problems in, in society. I mean, just, just mentoring those young boys will keep a lot of them out of prison. So it's like, you know, it's- Exactly. A, so, yeah. Yeah, so I got it on both sides. So we got the young side preventative, and then if it's too late, hey, let's catch them over here, and that's worldimpact.org if uh, you feel led to go check them out. That's awesome. Well, we've covered a lot of ground, but one thing you brought up that wasn't in my sort of sample questions was we talked about we were going to talk about improv and comedy. So I'm not going to go before we touch on that because you mentioned that early on. So uh, I'll just throw that open to you. Oh, yes. Yeah, so it, it's it's – it's hot right now, and you, I think you could do more episodes on it, but just the whole yes and. I mean, there's so many companies that are seeing the value in improv, because in order to make good improv, you have to be able to say yes. Because if you disagree with the person doing improv, the skit can't go anywhere. So to, to be a good improv person, you have to say yes, and then you have to say and. So here's, here's the scene. We're going to do this, this, and this. So the guy says, yes, I'm an alien, you know, from Timbuk5, and I've got this and this and this. And you go, yes, and my grandmother was adopted by you guys 10 years ago. What happened with that? So the value of improv is all about the yes and. So, yeah, there's these, these big-time Fortune 100 companies are sending their, their VPs, their CEOs, they're sending them to improv theater to get them their mindset to be able to say yes and. So imagine you're in a meeting and people are, you know, coming up with ideas. It's yes and versus no, or we'll think about it, or we'll table it. It's yes yeah, and. We, we've so tried that. Yes and mindset. Is, yeah, we've yeah, tried that before. We don't do that here. That's You hear that too often oh, in business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we try. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. So to get toxic corporate America to embrace improv and be able to say yes and, you talk about changing the world. I mean, <laughs> let's change the world with two words, yes and. So for those parents out there, when your kids come in and give you something out of left field, you say yes and, you know, I, I don't think it's appropriate uh, for a Lamborghini to be your first car, although it is exciting. <laughs> so the yes and is and, so magical. And the Ford Focus is going to be doing quite well for you. The uh, <laughs> uh, so Exactly. I, 
So I, I have a, a friend who I've only known a short time, but his name's Drew Tarvin. He actually speaks on humor in the workplace, and he's done professional stand-up and professional improv as part of his background in New York City. And uh, he was the one who convinced me to go and do an open mic night. Uh, and Oh, he's the one! Okay. And, and Let's I, give him credit. I was going to be in New York, and I, he said, oh, uh, come to open mic night. And I said, oh, I'd love to see you work on your material. And the other guy who was there goes, that's not what he means. He means you have to write a five-minute set for open mic night and, and go do it. And I've done improv before. As a professional speaker, one of the things that a lot of people do is they'll take improv classes just because you can't be all scripted. If you're going to be on stage for you know one to three hours, yeah. you know, you're going to get questions from the audience. You, the improv stuff is very important, but I've stayed away from stand-up, even though I always thought it would be fun. I was kind of a chicken shit. I was scared to do it. And so I, I never did. So uh, Drew brought me to a comedy club for open mic night in New York. And, and I had a, a not so bad experience. And so I went and did it again a couple more times. And uh, it's really been kind of a fascinating thing to to sort of open up. At, at 51, uh, I've just decided going to your thing about saying yes, I've decided that from 50 to 75, I'm going to have the best time of my life. And I'm just going to yes! say I'm just going to say yes to things that I might have worried about what people thought or it didn't fit my corporate brand or whatever for the first 25 years of adulthood. But from 25 to 75, I'm just going to have the most fun of my life. And I get the question a lot about what about 75 to 100? And I'm like, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. I'm just going to take it in a 25-year chunk. <laughs> but I'm saying yes to all kinds of things. I, I, I did a TEDx talk with about three weeks notice where normally you would have three to six months to, to create it. Uh, I jumped off the stratosphere in Las Vegas off of the their sky jump thing that you can do at the 108th floor. And, yeah! and, and I was in a, uh, like an independent short movie, uh, for about 90 seconds, but I, I had a short role. A friend of mine was, uh, as a young actor and they needed a grown up. They needed somebody in their fifties to play a role. Everybody else was 25 and he's like, I know a guy who could do it. And so I just jumped in. I know an old dude. Yeah. I, I know an old guy. Yeah. So, so I've, in the last couple of years, I've done that and many other things. And so, you know, I, I've found that uh, saying yes opens up a lot more opportunities. And, and the stand-up, while, you know, Seinfeld's not worried about job security because I did open mic night several times, it, it has really gotten me out of my own shell a little bit. And, and not that I have a really big shell, but it's really – I've seen it already uh, have a positive effect on me. I love it. I love it. Yes. The more, uh, you, you, like I said, I clicked on that podcast and I was in, I was just like, Oh, this is going to be good. Yes. Where's it going to go? Oh, what's going to happen? Well, Fabulous. this has been great and it has gone long. We are at, uh, I don't know, we're probably pushing an hour on this thing. I think we're at 53 minutes when we usually go a half hour, but I doubt that anybody has tuned out because, uh, there has been too much information and, and, and too much inspiration. So before we sign off, is there anything else you want to say to the listeners of cool things entrepreneurs do? Cool things entrepreneurs do. Now, Tom, it's just been an honor to, again, be on a podcast of this caliber. And so, because your willingness to say, hey, we're not just going to chop it up. It's going to be this and we're going to, you know, no, 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 no. Hey, you, obviously, you really want value for your listeners. And that's what's really shining through. And also to be number 350, I mean, come on, dun, dun, dun. Milestone. So, for, oh, yes. Love the milestones. Love the milestones. So, so for anyone out there, again, just want to say thank you. And then for anyone that just feels connected with me, like, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? I really want to dial in. You can visit evanmoney.com. 
yes, money's my real last name. No, we weren't born with any. I've, I've got some good stand-up on that one that maybe you and I can develop even more. Um, and if you're really serious and you really want to triple your income, have the best sex of your married life, get stronger and healthier every day, you can email me and I will mail you my mini magazine. So this is this is actual mail. This is stuff you get in the mail, something tangible. Uh, you can email me your address and I'll, I'll add you to the special list because you're on Tom's podcast here. So you can email, you'll love this email, Tom. Yes, at evanmoney.com. <laughs> so if you email yes at evanmoney.com and include your mailing address, I will mail you out a mini magazine that's all about health, relationships, and finances for entrepreneurs. And I think you will love it. I, I can't believe that anyone who has listened to this point of this episode is not already on their phone typing in yes at evanmoney.com. So uh, I expect I expect to hear that some people uh, responded to this. So Evan Money, best name of anyone I've interviewed in 350 episodes of the show. Thank you so much <laughs> for being a guest. And to everyone. Um, what a pleasure. I appreciate you. And to everyone who listened, thank you for tuning in and sticking with us through this. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So if you like the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review. That just makes my day better. And subscribe to the show so it'll come to your phone every single time. Your subscribing helps the show get found by other people. That's sort of the way iTunes does it. So hit that subscribe button. You can follow me on Twitter at Cool Podcast. And if you want to know any more about me, you can find everything you want at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O. O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Evan Money. I know you're thinking, Tom, how is that possible? But it is. But in the meantime, I want to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.